97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we have Ryan Zolan with 34 Holdings, one more player in the Phoenix market, and he's going to share how he did 24 deals in the first quarter of this year for over 300 k before even turning 23 years old. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. A question I get all the time is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? The information on this podcast alone is enough for you to become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. Take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, type in the comment section and after the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus on just that for the next seven days. If you get value today, please tag your friend below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Ryan to answer. You ready? Let's do it. All right, so first question is, what got you into real estate? Super, super. So I started real estate at 18 years old. Um, It wasn't until about like a month ago I was just able to kind of connect some pieces. Uh, My brother actually paid for me to go to a rich dad, poor dad seminar. I was a senior in high school. Obviously, I didn't take it that serious, but we were there for a weekend. I paid or he paid for me and one of my buddies to go. Buddy slept through the whole thing. (laughs) And I ended up graduating as a senior, obviously, high school. And I was like, what am I going to do? College was the only thing I knew was not on the table. So I waited out my options. I'm like, you know what? Let's try real estate school. College was not on the table. It was not. GPA was not there, and I had no desire for college. So, uh, Was there any kind of, like, deliberation? Was there something like, you know, a conversation with the parents or yourself talk? Like, what do – or was it just simple, not going to happen? It was a mixture of multiple things. Uh, my dad told me he wasn't going to pay for college unless I was going to be a doctor, lawyer, attorney, engineer, teacher. I'm sure there's probably a couple more. Mm-hmm. And I looked at all of those, and I was like, well, I hated high school, so look at – option one doctor. I mean, that's a lot of school attorney. That's a lot of school. Uh, I just crossed off everything pretty quickly. And I got to the point where I'm like, I'm probably not even going to be a good nine to five employee. (laughs) Okay. So your brother paying for you to go to Rich Dad Poor Dad though, did that help at all? Or is it not even, that was like a waste of his money. The only thing I was able to take away from it. And I hate to say it. Yes. Waste of his money. Uh, I think it was like 2,500 bucks for the weekend, but it was a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Those guys at the end of the day, they're going to tell you all this stuff about their program. They're going to teach you enough to where you're interested in it. But then at the end, it's like, oh, bring your credit card to the back of the room. Twenty five thousand dollars to be coached one on one by blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, eh. I mean, I don't have twenty five thousand, but right. I mean, sure, this maybe works. I don't know. So I just kind of I don't know. I ended up passing on real estate at the time being. But then I was still a senior in high school. So it was just when I graduated, I weighed out my options and real estate seemed to be the only one that. You didn't need a college degree for, and I could be my own boss. What about real estate? Push uh, that direction. So my dad and brother have a restaurant repair company. Uh, that's what brought my family from Illinois to Arizona initially was my mom and dad starting up the, it's Windy City Equipment, restaurant repair and HVAC company. And for me, I used to take my spring break, fall break, summer breaks of school, and I would work the, the, the time off that I had from there over at his work. And nothing against uh, his company. I just realized pretty quickly that kind of like the conversation you and I had before the show is I'm not your guy that's going to get his hands dirty. I'm the suit and tie business guy that can have conversations like this, present myself with somebody, and then hopefully make enough money to pay somebody to figure out the problems. Right. So. Okay. So your first step was real estate school. First step is real estate school. Why real estate school? That's what my dad told me to do. Mm -hmm. Figured if I failed, I'd be 18. Worst case scenario, I'm out. Maybe call it a thousand bucks. What do you have to lose? 
Okay, so then you went to real estate school. July 5th. What'd you do with that? Started off July 5th, 2016. Um, I just remember that because all my friends afterwards went on vacations with their family. They were given money from graduation. So a lot of them kind of were stupid with it and spent their money. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I went right to real estate school July 5th because I took a little bit of a break from, I think it was like June to July, whatever, a month to myself. Um, then it was July 5th, started the real estate school. I got out, I think it was a month and a half. And then I started off on a team. It was on a team over at Keller Williams. I was basically an ISA, an inside sales agent, just working through leads 10, 12 hours a day. So was this like a situation where like they were coming to the school to recruit you or? Um, no, I was full of myself in real estate school. They tell you to go and interview all these brokers. And so mm-hmm. I put on my fanciest suit and tie and I went and I thought that I was the one being interviewed by all these brokers and I didn't realize I'm doing the interviewing. I have to pick the one that aligns with what I think would work for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up narrowing it down between two places. One was like the big fancy penthouse brokerage, and then one was Keller Williams. I decided to go to Keller Williams because they offered me a salary, even though it was only 24 grand a year, and I thought that that was stability. And so I had that. Um, another part of real estate school is they teach you everything, just like high school. They teach you everything that you need to know about how to do your job and how to live life, right? No, not at all. Uh, real estate school for me, I only knew 3% commission and that was the only thing I retained from the school. So when I was signing up for brokerages and teams, I saw seven and a half percent and I'm like, okay, like I can make some serious money here. Then I realized it's seven and a half percent of the 3%. Right. So you see, you learn 3% is normal. 3% is normal. Or no, I'm sorry, not normal, common. <laughs> Um, and then you see seven and a half, like, okay, that's way better than that. that yep. They told me in I school. thought it was me balling. And this is with my 24 grand salary. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So what did you learn working on a real estate team? You know, so my specific job being the ISA was just going through their CRM, working through their leads, their database, uh, sales, follow-ups. Most importantly, it was just having conversation. I didn't realize how many people are so scared to pick up their phone and just, Hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. So especially young people, people are all just text, text, text. So for me, it was uh, just honestly working through leads, figuring out kind of what the process was. You're not going to close somebody on your second phone call with them. You've got between seven to 12 calls. So it was just mindset stuff, having to get over uh, that hurdle. How many dollars were you making then? Man, I was in the office every day at like 7 a.m. and I was there till about six or seven at night. So it was a dialer. I couldn't even tell you the amount. I was probably going through 5,000 a day ish three to five thousand a day context so brand new out of real estate school 18 years old and you're just pounding mojo yep all right how long were you doing that four months okay what happened at four months so i was able to get some success pretty quickly because when you're doing numbers at that scale like broken clock is right twice a day you're bound to fall into something and so i got four deals in my first four months my first red flag mm-hmm. was that I didn't get paid right when the deal closed, which is fine. I mean, each team has their own agreement and split, but because I was technically salary plus commission, mm-hmm. I got paid when my paycheck was going to come. Gotcha. So I got the four deals closed and out of the four checks, it was a check for 900 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that's not seven and a half percent. Yeah. So, okay. So you close your deals yep. and then that's when maybe reading the contract might help oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Understanding the contract. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you get your first paycheck, and literally it was a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You look at it. And it was like, before vacation, too, to make it even better. I was about to go to Chicago for my aunt's wedding, and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, can I get my check before I go? Like, yeah. you know, whatever, I'm going to buy my sports stuff and give me a check for 900 I'm like, well, that's the flight. All yeah. right. So, so that's not 7.5% of four deals. Yep. Okay. And then so what was like, was that an abrupt ending at that point then? Uh, no. So I ended up uh, transitioning to the investment side where mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just kind of connected with another, another guy in the team. But mm-hmm. for them, I think it was no stress. They didn't have to pay me a salary or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just based off deals I bring in. But I had no idea how to work through any of the systems other than, I mean, I saw the entire database. The database they had was like 30,000 leads. Mm-hmm. But then each individual agent on the team had their own like subdomain to the CRM mm-hmm. where they had maybe call it a couple hundred leads. So for me, working through that, I was like, whoa, hold on. Like, I don't have any leads now. I saw the 30,000 we had. Who's working those 30,000 for me now? Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, I think that limbo stage where it just didn't make sense for me to be at that team anymore. I didn't have somebody working leads for me, setting up appointments. And then also the leads that I did have were like five, 10 of them. Like it wasn't right. anything crazy. Oh, so. you're, all, you're now officially working. On more on the agency side, I guess, yeah. as opposed to admin. But, but you're on your own to hunt. 
for sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. So how how long did you do that for? Uh, so I was with them. Then it was like two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do after that? I split apart from the team and I went and found a guy that has a pizza shop in uh, Tempe that my dad took care of, and it was right across from ASU. And I was like, because I called my dad, I'm like, yo, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, this didn't work out, but I'm not done with real estate. I can see the potential. And so I had made connections with a couple other agents over at Keller Williams when I was there. Templeton was one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, kept in contact with him. But when I split apart, I ended up finding this guy. His name was Jeff. He has that pizza shop in Tempe. Mm-hmm. I called him up. I was like, hey, man, I've got a proposition for you. You know my dad, but let's meet up for coffee. All so right. we did. Um, I thought I was shooting for the stars when I sat down with him because I was like, hey, I got a good idea. You worry about the deals that you've got. I don't want anything to do with it. Anything I bring to the table, let's split it 50-50. And he said yes. Yeah, that was a really hard sell. You know, it's funny because coming from where I thought I was getting like just completely screwed over to that, I felt like I was like, oh man, like why would he say yes to me? In mm-hmm. hindsight, now if somebody were to even come to me and say that, I'm like, yeah, you're no risk. Like, right. why not? Come you on in. You don't want any money. You don't want any. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Bring me a deal and I'll I'll split it with you. It's right. called the JV, right? <laughs> So Okay, so you go work for Jeff, and this is a different brokerage. Yes, different brokerage. So you went to a different brokerage, and I remember because I, I know the owners over there, mm-hmm. and they're like, man, like this Ryan kid is, is uh, uh, out of this world. He's going to crush it. He's kind of like the future face of our company. And then that didn't quite happen. Yeah. So yeah. you went, well, let's, say, let's talk about what you learned under Jeff before we talk about where you went after that. For sure. So under Jeff, um, I learned everything real estate. One thing that a lot of people don't know about what I was able to learn when I was with him is we specialized in commercial and business broker transactions. Mm -hmm. So we sold, I mean, $9.5 million car washes. We sold $500,000 commercial buildings. Like we sold anything and everything to then even nail salons, restaurants, a recording studio company. Like we did a bunch of business transactions. I learned a lot of just things that I could tell you the traditional agent does not know. So there was that, and then also, obviously, just the traditional business of helping people buy and sell. Mm-hmm. I was super intimidated by the paperwork and just, hey, man, obviously, like, I don't read the paperwork, so like, yeah. I don't know how to do it. But, yeah. You know. So you started off as uh, an uh, inside sales agent. You're calling leads. You eventually go work for a commercial guy, mm-hmm. and then you connect with Templeton. Sort of. We So him and I were like a mentor-mentee relationship for mm-hmm. a year, and then we ended up starting our own team at that brokerage, and that Got lasted it. like another seven, eight months, but mm-hmm. we grew the team pretty quick. We were the number one team at the brokerage and did pretty well. And then you went to go to EEXP. Yep. Right. And you worked with Templeton. Yep. Was it Templeton that kind of opened your eyes to the investment side? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what, what were the things you learned from Templeton? Uh, so it was actually just one breakfast. It was kind of funny how it all played out, but mm-hmm. I think similar to what you had heard about the old brokerage, he heard through the grapevines that I was doing pretty well on the traditional side, mm-hmm. went out to breakfast, and I always say, like, this story, it's hysterical when I explain it, but I went to breakfast with this dude, and he's telling me, like, he does, like, 30, 40 million a year on traditional sales, and I'm like, okay, I think we're on track for three to five million. Okay, like, <laughs> okay, geez, yeah. whatever. So there was that, and then he's like, yeah, and I do this thing wholesaling, I bring in an extra 400,000 on the side every year. Mm-hmm. And I, like, just stopped dead in my tracks, and I just, I put my fork down, I'm like, did you just said 400000 on the side? So mm-hmm. you're implying this isn't even like your your full-time job. What are, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And as I kind of connected the pieces of what this wholesaling concept was, I was like just mesmerized. I went back to the brokers, the ones that where I had I was at with Jeff, and I was like, wholesaling, this is the future. Nobody's doing it. Trust me. They didn't trust me. So they so didn't see eye to eye on that. They did not. They told me wholesaling was not a way to make money in real estate. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've said similar things a long, long time ago, right? <laughs> None of us are perfect. Of course. And so you go to learn from Templeton, who's yep. been on the show twice already. Yep. Um, and so at which point then do you start actively wholesaling? It wasn't until I had actually switched over. So we switched from that brokerage to EXP where mm-hmm. we were under Templeton MLM. And then we left EXP and it wasn't until we were at Stunning yeah. with you. So you moved your license over here. Yep. Where our studio is. Guys, this is inside the brokerage. Uh, so you come over here. So you got Templeton over here. Mm-hmm. You're over here. Uh, but before you blew up to where you are today, there was also another friend of ours, with Jamil. Yes. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so when we switched over from EXP to Stunning Homes with you, 
um, I had basically felt like I got kicked in the teeth. Like that was, I was going from top team, top producer to when I went to EXP, I felt like we took a hit down a little mm-hmm. bit and I was like, I need to just redo this because I'm starting a team on my own now. I don't have a business partner. I don't have any of the agents on the team except for one. Like, what am I doing? So I really relied heavily on you and relationships mm-hmm. and you kind of opened the door for a lot more opportunities and just conversations that I felt like I could at least hold my own on. Right. And so I went, um, the story of how I met Jamil, it was crazy. You gave me his number. I texted him. We were going to meet up at, um, we'd planned for his office. I called him an hour before the meeting. I was like, Hey man, just want to let you know I'm on my way or I just want to make sure we're good for an hour. We're going to be meeting in an hour. He's like, yeah, it sounds good. I'll send you the zoom link. And I'm like, Whoa, I'm local. Like, I'll be there in 20. And then it's like, oh, even better. And this dude had never met me, never even knew who I was, maybe had a simple conversation with you about me. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I walk in that door, it was like just family. They were like, everybody, come on in. We love you, Ryan. Let's show you the operation. I mean, I had no idea what acquisition, disposition, like any of what their departments were. But I was like, dude, Templeton makes 400,000 wholesaling on the side. And Jamil does this full time like yeah. he has to be legit yeah so it was uh, it was like a i don't even know it was that same day he told me that they were going to be releasing a course called astro flipping mm-hmm. and i i don't know what in my head was going on i just handed him my credit card i was <laughs> like he didn't tell me an amount jim was a closer you know in the moment didn't even feel like it which probably says that he's a really good one yeah but uh no i gave him my credit card i was able to uh once they told me the amount i negotiated it to be a couple payments i'm Mm. like sweet uh but i was actually the second student in that program oh you're the second student in astro number two oh i had no idea number two who's number one I don't know. I haven't hmm. figured that one out yet. I have to ask him that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you get in the Astro, and I, because all, all along this way, you and I, you know, we, we mentored together. Yep. Um, like you said, like there was something about Astro that kind of like opened your mind. Like, yeah, you heard a little bit from Templeton. Yeah, you see it from Jamil, and there's mm-hmm. Pace and other guys in town. Yep. And the stuff that I've shared with you, but there was something that you said within Astro that kind of like opened your, your, your mind. Yep. What was that? So for me, um, Obviously, I'd been in real estate on the traditional side for two, three years, grew a team and all that. I already had about like 20-ish million in sales under my belt. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was still a little bit intimidated by escrow and contracts, but I kind of had the perception that escrow, they're going to tell you if they need something. And contracts, everything's fixable with an addendum. Mm -hmm. So I like got rid of those limiting beliefs right away going into the program because week one was all about mindset. I was like, I'm going to take this so serious. I have a guy on my traditional team, Kyle, that is my director of operations. And Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go MIA for a little bit. I'm going to be locking myself in my room and going through this course. If you need me, call me. Other than that, don't need me. And so I went through the course. And again, having that prior traditional experience, for me, a lot of the stuff that I think people really overthink in the escrow contracts and then the whole process of wholesaling, for me, once I was able to understand inspection period, earnest money, equitable interest, assignment contract yeah done okay yeah and it's something i've said before and i don't think anyone takes me seriously is that the the biggest challenge to wholesaling or the biggest threat to wholesaling is other realtors oh yeah because there's a lot of overlap Mm -hmm. between the two industries and i think if someone's a really good realtor and could get off their high horse and judging the wholesaling industry they can crush it in this industry unfortunately a lot of them won't get off their high horse yep um and so let's talk about, you started real estate 18 years old, mm-hmm. you were doing deals, yep. and then how old were you when you started doing the wholesaling? I was 20. 20. Yeah, because yeah, I still remember you yep. couldn't drink at the Christmas party. I do remember that too. <laughs> so you're doing your first wholesale deal mm-hmm. at 20. Yep. Let's talk about your first wholesale deal. Sure. It was a fun one. It was a Facebook group. Shout out to my man, Christian. Uh, he brought me a deal. One of the techniques taught in the program is you can actually have your buyers, your end buyers, tell you what their buy number is mm-hmm. prior to you giving an offer out. So you just got to be sly with your words and how you're and everything. Went to one of my uh, reps over at Keegley. I'm like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is my first deal. <laughs> got this guy, sent me a deal. Where do I need this to be at? And they said something like 95. Mm-hmm. This guy had sent me the property at 55. So right off the bat in Tucson, I'm like, okay. They said they need 95. I have it at 55. Let's get a little strategic here. Um, we utilized an option to get the ability to blast it to Keekly first. And then mm-hmm. once they ended up blasting it out, the only thing that made it kind of a nightmare was we had five or six wholesalers ended up being on the whole transaction when it was all said. How many? Up, like five or six. <laughs> it, and it got crazy towards the end because 
um, we ended up finding out there were some liens on the property. It was like $5,000, $6,000. And me just being problem solver, I'm like, hey, wholesaler one, hey, wholesaler two, hey, wholesaler three. You take a thousand off. I take a thousand off. You take five hundred off. You take two hundred off. So you were negotiating with everybody along the way. Yeah, I think that's frowned upon. <laughs> but I made it happen. You made it happen, made and it. you got the bill closed. Yep. So, I, so instead of making eleven or twelve on the first one, I made like nine. But I it's still solid. The course costed seven. Yeah. I mean, I was so like, right off the bat, you paid off your uh, the the cost. Yeah. For the wholesale course. Yep. So that's huge. How long from when you first got Astro to when you closed? Month and a half. Month and a half. So that's huge as well. Yep. All right. So I also do like to preface it by saying when they started the course, I had basically one-on-one training with Josiah Grimes <laughs> where it was me and like two other people in their calls twice a week. Yeah. So probably there, helped a little bit. There's a lot of information you can get from a guy like Josiah when you're talking to him two, three hours a week. Yeah. Like, so yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, there's actually someone in our mentorship program and he actually mentioned like he loves signing up for new coaching programs. Because for the first six months is when you're going to get like, the best out of the guy. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> All right. So you close your first deal. What did you do after that? Um, after that, I just reinvested it, put it right mm-hmm. back into marketing, and I said, let's do it again. Yeah. Um, because I know along the way, you were doing deals in Tucson, and you were selling them to our friend Ryan Panita. Yep. So talk about that transaction. Uh, yeah. He's bought a couple from us. There was one, um, you know, it's been a while now. He... I don't even remember where I saw him. I think it was probably your show or it was social media or something. Yeah. And I just called him and I was like, hey, I got a deal. It was prior to him blowing up on TikTok and all that stuff. Yeah, before he became an influencer. Right? Yeah. Um, but no, he was just a super normal person, picked up mm-hmm. the phone. I was like, this is where I got the property. This is what I think I could sell it at. And he's like, send the assignment. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I hung up. And before like I could even finish the assignment contract, he had earnest money deposited, title, wired, and everything. And I was like, he's a pro. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. all right, cool. And I really love that transaction. It has a special place in my heart yeah. because that was how I only know what I know about that transaction was I saw an Instagram story where you tagged me, Ryan and Magnus. Right. So you yeah. ta- so you do a deal with Ryan in Tucson using yep. my title company and I find out about it, the closing on Instagram. Like that's like the best way. Perfect scenario. To do it. Right. Love it. Uh, and it's just the power of networking for everyone here. Like the, the, the networking you create in a community. Um, face-to-face and through social media. Oh, absolutely. Is mind-boggling. Okay, so how did you go from there, right? That was So that was three years ago or two years ago? Uh, two and a half years ago, yeah. So how did you go from that two and a half years ago to where you are today? What were some of the big yeah. learning missteps or whatever? How much time do I have? No. <laughs> Plenty uh, of time. Uh, so I've made pretty much every mistake I would say. Well, let me rephrase this. Mm-hmm. I've made a lot of mistakes for the hiring and firing and expanding like i've tried to scale too quickly with mm-hmm. teams um i think that was probably my biggest issue was last year about this time i was trying to just grow a team i thought more bodies meant more production mm-hmm. and that's not the case you need to have people that want to be there because those are the people that produce so so big mis- big learning opportunity for a lot of you guys listening is scaling too fast yes um, and you having too many bodies that you're responsible for. Yep. What would you attribute that to, that desire to get a lot of people? Um, I thought that, I think, okay, I think a lot of it has to do with being in this market. You see so many people that are just crushing it. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like that level of comparison of like, well, so-and-so has acquisition managers, disposition managers. Some people even have senior and junior acquisition and disposition. Mm-hmm. I need to have that, right? And it was me also trying too hard instead of doing the work myself and figuring mm-hmm. out how to do it so that I could best coach the people on what I'm trying to have them do. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the first first of many mistakes. And another thing, too, is you, you, you look around, especially in this market, like you yep. mentioned, or you walk into Keeley's office, they got like 30 <laughs> people yep. at, at a computer. Mm-hmm. You go down to the Batch's office, there's a bunch of people in there, Yep. right? So I can kind of see why going to these rooms, seeing these other people that you're trying to catch yep. and you kind of have this keeping up with the Joneses. Yes, that's a, that's a very good way to put effect. it. Yep. Okay, so you learned that lesson. Yep. What did you do with that lesson? Cleaned house again. <laughs> so that was last year about this time. Uh, we had five acquisition guys, two door knockers, three VAs, and then an assistant. So you went huge on the traditional side, winded it all the way down. Yes. 
and now Kyle just runs that. Correct. And then you went huge on the wholesaling side, and now you've winded that down. This is correct. Yep. And so now you kind of have a happy medium? I have a fantastic happy medium. Correct. Got it. Okay. What other lessons did you learn along the way? Um, so for me also, uh, you don't need to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I've realized also, and it seems like this whole perception is reality is just the running theme here. Uh, but through social media as well, we've got a lot of connections out here where guys are spending $250,000 a month in marketing. I was spending five to 6,000. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not enough. I need more opportunities. I need this. I need that. And it actually, it wasn't until you had your event. Um, where was it? It was over at the guild office, I think with all of the, um, mm. the guys, it was like your first shop that you did your first workshop. Yeah. Yep. Well, and we had, uh, we had basically all the guys in town, right? Everyone. So we have a brokerage with a lot of wholesalers. So we had Templeton, Jesse, Evo, Yep. Um, and Corey was there. Corey was there. Uh, Jared Vidalis, because his team is here. Um, um, I can't remember if Brent Daniels was in there. but I don't think he was. Matthew there. Potter was in there. So we, yep. basically everyone that's doing off-market deals yep. at our brokerage was in that room. Correct. Yeah. And so I think just being at that event, my first real like good moment of, oh, wow, you don't need to spend so much money, was when you started going through your systems I was like calculating my head because I wrote down every website and I went back to my office. I'm like, those systems add up to like 2,500 bucks. What, yeah. what am I doing wrong? <laughs> and so I started like basically reverse engineering it all. And then it was like two weeks later, three weeks later, we went to your sales workshop. Mm-hmm. And then I started implementing that. We ended up putting one of the acquisition guys through Sandler afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so I really doubled down on the sales skills, yeah. bought all the Sandler training books, even though I didn't pay for the, the program. And basically just tried to pick as much as I could. You mm-hmm. and I meet a couple times a month, and I'm like, did you just Sandler me? And I, I, I know I say it to you all the time, too. But Well, I definitely did. Not just that time, but multiple times. Well, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help myself. All right. But, yeah, sales. Um, sales. Now, along the way, there's other communities that you surround yourself with as well. I mean, you yep. got Brandon Simmons, mm-hmm. right? You got his group, and then you got Nick Perry and yep. whatever you get. So talk to everyone else about the power of reaching up or reaching across the country. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I mean, I can even specifically even here too, not mm-hmm. just countrywide. I've only gotten as far as I've gotten because of other people, mm-hmm. like straight up. I've not, I'm nothing special. Graduated high school at the one point, I don't know, I was talking about 1.8 or 1.9 GPA. I like nothing special over here. I just surrounded myself by people that were smarter than me and better at things that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. It was that simple. So when I first started the team, I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I needed to work leads. The salary was obviously a good kick in. It made me feel like I was stable. Um, Then from there, Jeff, Templeton, you, Jamil, like you said, Brandon, all these groups that I'm in, I'm in a lot of masterminds. Um, I always try to make it where I'm in a room where I'm the dumbest person. I want to be a sponge and I want to absorb as much information as possible. And as I started to be in these rooms, you start to take like good things from people and bad things. You're like, okay, take this with a grain of salt, take that, whatever. But for me, it was really just an eye-opener to realize that the same thing I just said was the same opinion and perspective that everybody else had. Mm-hmm. They had this mindset that I want to be in these rooms with these guys. I've, I can't tell you how many of those guys have come to me and they're like, you are like a breath of fresh air being young and in this room. It's not like it's all just talking shop. We're yeah. sitting here like, I, I walk in, I'm like, what's up, guys? Energy. Let's yeah. go. And so it's just, I don't know, you are who you surround yourself with. Your network is your net worth. Like, yeah. Straight up, though, those guys are now some of my best friends, and I call them weekly. Like, um, we're in that mastermind with Nick Perry and Corey and all mm-hmm. those top hitter guys, and we meet usually twice a month one halfway through the month, and then one at the beginning of the month. And we go through our PLs together, we go through all of our like goals for the month, goals for the year. We have accountability partners, like, it's that kind of mentality that I want to be around because it helps me get to the next level, too. Yeah, so. and again, at age 23, it's incredible that you're already at that level to be learning, right? Because, I mean, at this time, I will see. I want to say I was just fishing, uh, finishing grad school, right? Yep. Like, it's getting ready to go, to go work at Intel, going, going to get a 9 to 5 job. Yep. And so um, you do traditional and you do wholesale. Mm-hmm. How do you balance the two? Because there are people that think you can't do both. How I do would you balance say you, the two? you can't do everything on your own. Um, I actually was just talking about this with my team today. You have to do everything like in a process, but by relying on other people. So just as I said a minute ago about relying on other people's strengths, for me, I could tell you paperwork and transaction coordination, 
that clearly was not it. Yeah. Kyle handling the transaction coordination, all the paperwork for the files on the traditional side, the onboarding of the agents, the hiring of them. That took a load off of me that I wasn't able to realize until I really got into the investment side that I was mm. like, wow. And I had a lot of people along the way, of course, saying, shut down traditional, shut down traditional. As I stepped away, our production actually went up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I was like a helicopter just above it, monitoring, being like, this is my baby. This thing has got to be perfect. This is my name, my reputation, my brand. And as I stepped away, we started just expanding, bringing on other people that were more like-minded. But also, I was like disconnected a little bit to the word Kyle could come and say, hey, this system should change, or we should try tweaking this, or what's your opinion on this? Mm-hmm. And it was things that kind of just helped me take a step back and be like, wow, you're right. Yeah. Or I'd be like, man, I have nothing to lose. Let's do it. Let's take a risk. So, How has your age affected your business? When I first started, it was my biggest weakness, and now I would tell you it's my biggest strength. Um, weakness, mindset, you have this mentality when you first get into the industry, especially being 18, that high school didn't teach me anything, and I'm surrounded by people that are two, maybe even three times my age, mm-hmm. and on top of that, this is the most like important and biggest purchase and sale people make in their entire life is buying and selling a house. Why would they trust me at 18? Yeah. It's a limiting belief to an extent, but I've also had a lot of people tell me, no way would I trust an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. So I had the mindset of just surround myself by somebody that makes it look like I'm credible. So when Jeff and I were partnered up, we used to go around telling people I was the social media guy. He was the business guy. And I could tell you all these business owners would eat it up because they're like, he's, he's 18, he's 19. He knows how to use technology. I am probably the worst technology-driven like person my age mm-hmm. that I've ever met. And I have these older guys being like, He's half my age. He's got to know what he's doing, right? All right. So for me, it was just kind of leaning into that. Um, now being my biggest strength, I've got the time that other people don't. What does that mean? Uh, I would say most people that are twice my age that are intimidated would be the fact that in 20 years, they're probably not in the industry and I'm still going. Mm-hmm. So I've got plenty of time on my hands. I've had actually quite a few people come to me and say, if I could give you everything I've acquired, all my properties, all my money, everything to go back and have your age, I would do it. Absolutely. And I take that pretty seriously. And I'm in that I'm in that category. I appreciate that. Yeah. If I could have what I know now at 23, I would give up everything to do that. Okay. So now, but you've started three companies now. Three. Okay. What are those three companies again? So we've got the traditional side, the Zolan Group, the one that helps families buy and sell. We've got 34 holdings. We flip, wholesale, uh, have a few properties we own too. Mm -hmm. And then the staging company that we just bought. Got it. And you're doing 100K a month now. Yep. How does that break down? So it's usually a, it's a mixture of really just the two companies of traditional and wholesale. Mm-hmm. The staging company we just bought two months ago. But between the, th- the two other companies, we're doing about, it ranges anywhere from a bad month on traditional is two to three deals. A great month is six, seven, all the way up to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, on the investment side, we're fortunately now just got over the bubble where we're hitting 10 a month. But we're averaging between 10 to 15 of those. Average gotcha. spread on the wholesale is about 12,000. Um, and then we're getting a lot of obvious on-market deals too. So. Gotcha. And so talking about the, the, the wholesale side, you're doing double digit. Mm-hmm. You have a process that most people think is impossible. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> no, we're not going to keep it that way. <laughs> so because you're in one of the most competitive markets yep. in the country, right? And you're doing deals. What is your number one lead source? MLS. How is that possible? You know, I love when I talk to people about this because, Mm -hmm. you know, I coach a few people, too, and stuff from social media. And I always tell people this is like my number one lead source. And the faces of these people when I say that to them is comical because everyone's like, it's on the MLS. It's already gotten offers. It's already too high. Their retail value, their terms are ridiculous. There's commission involved. There's a listing agent that whatever their excuse is Mm -hmm. for me. Same thing as when I started the Astro program, flip my hat around. I'm like. I can pretend like I know what a realtor thinks because I am a realtor. Like, Mm -hmm. so when I call somebody and say, do you want to make twice as much money? And they say, no, I mean, I, I, I'm appalled. I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? You don't, is it your broker? Is it you? Is it your client? Okay, no worries. We'll write it ourselves and we'll take the commission. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Or we'll go unrepresented. So we've really just dialed in the MLS process of building rapport with these agents um, you could probably even answer this one. You guys list a property. Do you get offers that are cash without them calling you or following up? 
Like, yeah, I think uh, I think the, the most atrocious one I ever got was from Jared Vidalis. Jared Vidalis, of course. Yeah. 30, 30 cents on the dollar. I, I saw him last week and I said that to him. I'm like, bro. And he's like, it was automated. I'm like, that's your problem. You didn't call me. That's why I would have gotten the deal. But yeah. um, I actually want to give a shout out to one of the guys on the team, Albert. Mm-hmm. He just locked up a deal three days ago. It was Monday. Uh, or maybe it was last week, whatever. It was listed at 575. We got it at 455. How? I don't even have words. Like, this is the biggest price off from the list price that we've gotten Mm -hmm. so far since I've been doing this. He built such good rapport that he was on the phone with the agent for over an hour, and it got to the point, we went out and looked at the property and everything, that they had two other offers on the table, conventional and FHA, that were at least 20,000 higher than us, and they decided to go with us because of the rapport that we built with the seller's agent. Gotcha. So we get commission, obviously, and then... We'll so what are the strategies, though, if someone wanted to go through, you know, go do the MLS thing? What are the strategies? I think it's being specific. I think just like on the approach of people do the, the mass texting, cold calling RVMs, the problem that people have is that they're not dialed in. Mm-hmm. They're not specific enough of what their search is. So we do a little bit of texting and cold calling on our, ourselves, but it's very dialed in. Just like the MLS, it's specific searches. Each MLS is different, mm-hmm. but out here we have the public remarks, private remarks, semi-private remarks. You type in motivated in semi-private, but then you remove it from there and you put it into the just public one. Those are two different searches. Mm-hmm. So it's like having, okay, I'm going to go through all the motivated between those three today. I'm going to go through all as is. As is could be typed in one word, as dash is, as is with a space. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many different ways. My favorites invest. You catch investor, investment, investments. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also... If it's been on the market in Gilbert or anywhere in the East Valley that's super desirable for people that don't know that are listening, aren't local, if it's been on the market in a desirable area like that for seven days, we're on the phone. Yeah. And it's just because if it's on the market seven days in the market where I could sneeze and before I'm even done with my listing paperwork, I've got five offers, mm-hmm. there's something wrong. And what I teach there is that it's either a bad agent or it's a bad seller. Sometimes you're lucky and it's both. Yeah. So. Yeah. The one We don't do a lot of MLS deals, but the one that I enjoy the most is one that we... It was listed for like 275. We contracted for 200. And then we listed it the following week for 270. And all we did was clean up the backyard. I believe it. And it's crazy to me. Yeah. How does that work? Yep. But I would say that was probably a mixture of, well, that was probably more so bad agent. Bad agent to where they couldn't walk in and just say, let's clean this thing up and we'll get our 275. Yeah. Well, on that one, I'm convinced this was only a year ago, right? That they were using an iPhone 4 to take the photos. Um, all right, so let's talk about how much wholesaling you're doing and how much flipping you're doing. Yep. So wholesaling, again, 10, 15 a month. Uh, mm-hmm. Flipping, right now we've got two active projects, third one's on the way. We just sold our big one up in Scottsdale a couple weeks ago. And what'd, you do that, what'd you do on that one? The one up in Scottsdale? Mm-hmm. We netted 140. 140 yep. on one deal. One deal. We picked it up at 525 probate MLS, got commissioned to buy it. Uh, we put in 55 into it and sold it at 755. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that you, you, you kind of giggle about. I see you like on, on TikTok, right? It's like, not only did I buy this as such a good deal, but I got paid a commission mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of it. Yeah. And these commissions are not small amounts. No, I mean, two and a half, three percent. And the best part is, too, again, thinking traditional agent, how many agents do you have even at the brokerage that you've talked to in the past that would die to have a $500,000 buyer? Mm-hmm. I'm writing the offers as if I'm the buyer and getting the commission off a $500,000 deal without even buying the property. Yeah. So yeah, it works out pretty well for sure. Okay. So then what does your company look like today? Uh, so I spend most of my time with 34 holdings that's on the investment side. I like to be going through, um, just my MLS deals offers that we're submitting. Um, I sign all the paperwork for all the contracts we send out. It's usually about like anywhere from 30 to 50 a week, just depending on how many people we've got in the office that week. Uh, aside from that on the Zolan group, again, that side I'm disconnected from, I'm only helping people with buying and selling that are personal friends and family. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, we've got Kyle, director of operations, and then Amber, and those are my two traditional agents. And then on the investment side, we've got Albert, myself, and then we've got a bunch of acquisition guys we're hoping to bring on here in the next week. Yeah, so you're recruiting as well. We are. We had, I think it was six interviews this week, and I think a few of them made it past. So. Gotcha. Okay. So one thing that you and I talk about quite a bit, and just kind of touch on a little bit, is social media. So I'm always pushing you to go harder in social media. Yep. What do you want to, I mean, what, what, what is your opinion of social media? You know, I, it's a double-edged sword. 
because while I can list off the things I don't like about it, I think it's better to start with the things I do like. Mm -hmm. It has an extreme value and where today we're at as a society, the amount of impact that we can be as influencers, that we could be as business owners, that we could be as even marketers with social media ads and what we're doing with all that fun stuff, the endless opportunities of what I think it's even a limiting belief of people like my parents' age that were like, hey, you need to go to college. No, maybe not. Like, let's, mm. they didn't grow up with Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Like, mm. the opportunities are ridiculous. As for the things I don't like, I really struggle with the whole let's deep dive into somebody's personal life. I am all about the whole privacy. I feel like I work so hard throughout the day, 10, 12 hours, that I'm like wiped. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, I'm like, I'm done. I wanna go home. I wanna spend time with my dog. I wanna watch some TV or I just wanna unwind, read a book, whatever. And social media, I just feel like it's perception is reality. It's so easy to get in a fight with a spouse and go on social media and be like, oh, I wish I had this person's life. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't care for that at all. So. Yeah. So what are you doing to intentionally create content? Uh, it's usually when my team forces me and they say, hey, remember how you yelled at us this last week for not doing content? Mm -hmm. What are you not doing right now? And I'm like, content. And they're like, camera, let's go. Yeah. Well, so. because you know it moves the needle. It does. And on top of that, too, even while MLS is my top resource, social media is a very, very close second. Like, out of the money we've made so far this year, a third of it's probably come from social media. So, so talk about that. What are you doing to get that? So I think that, honestly, it's just that we've built such a good reputation in this community. And being around some of the guys like you, I mean, we're able to mooch off of you guys amazingly. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. But we can tag you guys. You tag us back. But it also shows, hey, these guys are credible. They're friends with Steve. Like, I get people that ask me all the time, how are you friends with these guys? I'm like, I show up and they don't tell me to leave. Like, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it, they're not kicking me out. <laughs> right? But I think that's a big advantage for me. So yeah, for course. social media, being local with everybody, mm -hmm. um, I've just been able to kind of shine with that. And then TikTok, I mean, I've really dropped the ball recently. But I went from zero followers to 20,000 mm -hmm. in like two and a half months without trying like at all. Yeah. And then I got up, got comfortable. I had a bunch of people that hit me up for coaching, got a handful of people that pay me monthly a good amount of money per hour for coaching. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have the drive to be like committed every single day. So yeah. I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. But yeah. But for everyone that's listening, right? I mean, this is just one more thing you can add. It's free. Oh, absolutely. I was just going to say, if you don't have a high marketing budget, it's free. It's free. It's, it takes time, but it's free. Yep. And uh, Flip Lab says you're the goat. What's up, Ricky? Um, so he wants to know what made you move into the new office space? Great question. Um, so the space we were at before, uh, shout out again to Kyle Holder on my team. This dude has been through the ringer and back. We have been to eight offices in three years. <laughs> eight. <laughs> So the arrangement we made for this last one was Kyle gave us the middle finger and said, I'm not moving. Pretty fair. I understand. Mm -hmm. um, for us, going to the new office was that we had just bought the staging company. And Are we including the, the, the penthouse in the eight? Uh, no. Okay. No, I'm not counting brokerages. I'm counting. So <laughs> when we were at that brokerage and they gave me the middle finger, we went, I walked away for a minute. I was gone for like month or two and we were working on my dad's house mm. we worked in a regis office that was about the size of this mm -hmm. we were in a bigger regis closet that was about this mm -hmm. and then we went to a gilbert office we went to a chandler office a downtown chandler office a the one we were just at and now the one we're in today and there was some point you were in merrill's office that was the gilbert one yeah. yep got it and so we the office space we were at it was cool they cool isn't even the word they're a shared workspace and that's what most of our offices have been was mm -hmm. shared workspace nothing against other people i think that we are just fine but for me trying to run the team the way that i do and the culture we have it just got to the point where we just didn't we didn't mix it's kind of like having roommates good way to put it right you gotta have you gotta be able to pick your, the right roommates yep and if you can't pick your roommates uh, it gets complicated exactly and so, yeah, we biggest reason, though, that pushed us over the, the needle was that we had to get the staging company space. Mm -hmm. And so for us, I did the math on storage units and what the amount of furniture we bought. I mean, we're talking three or four storage units when you're talking 300 to 500 bucks per unit, even 500 easy math for me, two grand. I mean, I'd rather have it all centrally located in one office building and all right. that stuff. So. Yeah. 
So, and, and I think it's really helpful, right? You just think about what it costs for you to do something else. Mm-hmm. Like we got our space, we're in 6,000 square feet now. Yep. And it's still so much cheaper than when I was running events at hotels. Yep. Oh, I believe it. Right. When they're charging you $400 for cookies, $600 okay. for coffee. Yeah, seriously. Right. So it, you, you make these decisions just because it's cheaper than what the alternative is. And it's not like it's free. It's right. not that it's cheap. It's a lot cheaper than the alternative. Well, and I mean, we don't like, I didn't realize like how much cheaper it is from a standpoint of what we were paying. We were in an office space that was 400 square feet. The last one that was shared space, 400 square feet that I was paying 1500 bucks a month for. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one is going from 400 square feet to 2,400 square feet. It's a pretty big difference. We're at like 1,200, 1,300 office, and I think the rest is all warehouse, like 900. Yeah. So yeah, it's a definitely a different vibe, but we're loving it. It works. Yeah, we're loving it. All right. So um, Rich Gets Richard wants to know, what is your best deal? Who? My best deal. Um, we had a deal in Tucson, MLS. We got 16,000 commission and a 65,000 wholesale. Yeah. So, so nothing, nothing too crazy. MLS deal. MLS uh, deal. Wholesale it to an investor, made the money. and. So you wholesale that to a different investor that wasn't Tequigli or Pinita. Yeah. That was investor. your own buyer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. So that's pretty good. And again, guys, like we talked about this before. I know you guys don't want to get licensed. But you get licensed. Can't do this. Get licensed. You're not licensed. I also predict in the next five years you're going to need one anyway, so you yeah. might as well do it now before it's harder to get in. Yeah, no, absolutely. The entry level is pretty easy. Uh, so Baller wants to know, how are you buying these companies? Buying these companies. Um, so this one, that, the staging company we bought, mm-hmm. that was only like 25000 So, How did you find it? Uh, Albert. We were looking for deals on Facebook. A girl posted in, in there, and... Just like the sales skills you've taught us, um, they wanted 50 up front, and they didn't get 50. Then she wanted 40. Then she wanted 35. Then 30. She had another buyer at 30, and I told her, I'm not your buyer. I don't want to buy it. Took it away. Took it away. She came back to us. No, I want to sell to you guys. Okay. Yeah. And that 25 included furniture. All the furniture, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So really, what We've cost- got, I would say, probably about, it's all used. I think it's probably about anywhere from 35 to 40, maybe 45 and. Random stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of knickknacks. It's kind of crazy to think about. Right. (laughs) Uh, And I'm actually going through a business buying course right now. Yeah. uh, From my friend Kyle Malian. And it's just interesting to hear about this whole other world when Mm -hmm. you're buying assets and like when they say it comes in inventory. Yep. How much inventory really comes in? Right. I want to see your PLs. I want to see everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Benjamin Baig wants to know if you could have coffee with someone dead or alive, Mm. who would it be and why? Walter Payton. Easy. Um, for me, that's what 34 is, 34 Holdings. I'm a mm-hmm. Chicago boy. So for me, um, I I don't know everything about the guy. I've watched a lot of tape on what, obviously, I wasn't alive when he was playing. Uh, but for me, he's the biggest role model for everything he was about, everything he did, and the way he just held himself. So yeah. without a doubt. I actually did a book report on him. Yeah. In, uh, I want to say middle or high school. And the it. thing I loved most about him was he was attacking the defense. Yep. He didn't try to go around the defense. Oh, yeah. He was picking the guy. Yep. It's like, I'm running the guy he said, over. Hey, he's like, that's my guy. <laughs> and I think that's the kind of the mindset you have as well in this business. Yep. Um, Abud Rosas wants to know, what do you see as the future of your business? Um, for me, I don't think I'm ever going to get to that point where I'll be comfortable enough to retire. I just don't have that personality to stop. Um, for me, the future... Well, I mean, shoot, at 23, you got like another 80 years. Right? <laughs> um, when I first started, my initial goal was financial freedom by 27. From there, uh, I honestly want to spend a lot of time teaching, giving back. It wasn't until I started coaching the people from social media that mm-hmm. I realized my passion actually is teaching. I really love to not be so much of an influencer, I think is the wording nowadays, where everyone's like, oh, you're this influencer guy in social media. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really catch my drift. Um, it's more of the guy that's just like, I'm the, I want to be that real estate mogul. I want to be the guy that's like, you want to call me? Okay, well, it's start the time like mm-hmm. it's gonna be a thousand yeah, bucks like an attorney yeah, exactly yeah so so then you see because we had our event here about a month two months ago mm-hmm. where we had me uh kong ryan and sam yeah so you see what we did there yep that's not the direction you want to go 
I wouldn't mind that. I think for me, speaking at real estate events is all what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's just the whole fame and fortune for me. It's yeah. not It's not about the fame. I want to be able to actually provide value. So a lot of what I'm doing with the people I'm coaching right now is I'm actually turning people away. Mm-hmm. I want them to be a good fit because I can take anybody's money and provide them enough value to get them going. But my natural instinct as a person is that I'm going to schedule you for an hour coaching, you're getting an hour and a half because Mm -hmm. that's just me. I don't shut up and I try to over provide value rather than being like, here's enough to where you don't know how to close the deal, but you know how to get started. So you have to bring it back to me. And I think that's how most of these gurus and courses are. So, so you get a chance to speak at Jamil's mastermind. Yep. Yep. So you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that was just the astro flipping event. Mm -hmm. Um, it's for, they targeted people specifically in the program, but then also people that were interested in the program that just haven't pulled the trigger. It was like a three day event. Um, there was a panel of some of the top wholesalers. I think there was like three or four of us Mm -hmm. and they called me and they said, Hey, do you want to speak on our panel? And of course I was like, absolutely. So looking at my demographics, right? The people that actually watch our show, they're male. Yep. Like ninety eight percent male, yep. and like sixty percent of them are twenty five to thirty four. Awesome. But the next demographic is those that are eighteen to twenty, uh, yeah, eighteen to twenty four. Okay. Right. So, what would you tell someone? Maybe what would you tell yourself when you were first getting started? What would you tell yourself before, as you were getting into this business? Um, I think the one biggest like misconception I had being in high school is, and I think a lot of younger people will relate to this, is that. You can look at your teachers, you're looking at all these people that are authorities in your life some way or another. You think that they know more than you or that they know what's best for you because they're older. And it wasn't until I got into real estate and you start dealing with people's livelihoods and biggest purchase and sale of their life that you realize how many people's lives are actually not all rainbows and butterflies. Mm -hmm. More often than not, I would actually say that most people's lives suck. (laughs) And I hate to say it that way, but seriously. Um, and so for me, I think the whole take what you can, a piece of advice or take a, a grain of salt from every person that you're talking to, mm-hmm. the most important piece is making sure the person that you're taking the information from is someone that you look up to and respect. Gotcha. So you don't need to be like, oh my gosh, Steve Trang walked by me. I need to ask him a question. So I have value. Mm-hmm. It's no like, let's have a conversation mm-hmm. and maybe you could say something that I completely disagree with, mm-hmm. but that's where you got to be the glass half full and be like, you know what? He might have said this that I don't agree with, but he said this little nugget and this stuck to me. I'm going to take this and that's how mm-hmm. I'm going to remember Steve. Yeah. So it's just understanding that not everybody's going to have your best interest, but everybody in the world will have at least some piece of value that they can give to you. Yeah. So for me, it was just understanding that and having to get through that hurdle. And it's all just mind games being young. Filtering what makes, what, 100%. Would, you, uh, yeah. would you process, what you, would you absorb? Yep. Um, so Jesus Hernandez wants to know on a cold call, mm-hmm. um, well, do you cold call sellers right now? Do you do direct-to-seller marketing? We do direct-to-seller. Um, it's mostly JV, so other wholesalers bringing it to me mm-hmm. or um, a referral of someone that says, hey, if someone so down the street wants to sell their house, go through all the options, and it's not a listing, it's not rental for us, it's going to be, okay, we're going to buy this one. And but you're not directly cold calling right now? No, I'm not cold calling. Okay. Uh, so Meditation wants to know, if you have not closed a deal, but you had access to expired listings, how would you go about closing your first deal? a good question um so i really like the whole expired canceled game uh for me at the end of the day what i always say i like to break it down into two categories i always do traditional investment on the traditional side the hardest part is finding a client on the investment side the hardest part is finding a deal uh for the standpoint of that i would say that expireds you had somebody that one point raised their hand and said i want to sell my house Mm -hmm. again i go back to the bad seller or bad agent you know it's one of the two bad agent Maybe it was overpriced. Maybe there was something that could have been done. Maybe the commission was too low and they only could get it at 3% commission total, so they're offering a flat fee to the buyer's agent. That's unappealing. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's a bad seller and they're not allowing any showings. You don't know until you call, so you just call and you want to have a conversation with them. Hey, are you still looking to sell 123 Main Street? Uh, Yeah, I am. What happened? Oh, my agent sucks. I hate agents too. Tell me all about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's just a matter of figuring out kind of what's the always the agent. It doesn't matter if it's a bad seller. Right. It's always the always agent. agent. So Especially always when you're seller. talking to the seller. Yeah. They're always so. going to say it's the agent. Yep. Um, so you got a chance to experience a whole bunch of different uh, guys in, in our space. You know a lot of the guys in our space. Which education course would you suggest jumping into first? Man, that's a good question. I think it depends on what your experience level is. If you're experienced and you've done 10 plus wholesale deals, 
I haven't gone through it personally, but I would say probably an advanced one along the lines of the sub two course with pace. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, being that I had no idea how to wholesale, the Astro Flipping model was the best course that I've ever gotten myself into. Also, self promo if you need a discount code, call me. But um, no, seriously though, like yeah. they, that course was just super in depth detail. I always tell Jamil to his face, week one, you could have charged the entire amount for week one itself. Yeah. All mindset. So those two. Yep. Um, Miguel Prado wants to know what drives you. Ooh. Um. That's a really good question, Miguel. Mm-hmm. So I would say, for me, it's a mixture of multiple things. Uh, it's more of the fear of working for somebody else's dreams. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather wake up knowing that. Okay, do I need to be at the office by seven a.m.? No, but should I be be at the office by seven, eight a.m.? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's more of just the mentality that I would rather do this for me than for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that kind of contradicting itself, my later goal of future down the road is wife and kids. So I'm doing all of this legwork now, and I've put up all this that I have because I want to have the ability to be a lot more present and just yeah. available later on. So. Um, and I think also you kind of mentioned in the beginning that you don't really feel like you're employable. That's a very good one, too. Somebody could tell me, hey, be at this spot from 9 to 5 for X amount of dollars per hour, and I'd be like, nope. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so Abud wants to know, how many deals have you done in Arizona? This year? This month? Uh, <laughs> All together, probably. I've done over... Okay, I've accumulated and I've been a part of over $50 million in transactions. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to put it. And Luis, uh, I can't say that last name, is what's, what do you think are the success rate for people that are aged between 18 and 25 that enter this business? Depends on how bad you want it. Um, I would say percentage-wise of people that succeed, less than 15%. Yeah. I would say it's probably really low. Yeah. But the good news is it's a lot of time. That's just what I was going to get into. If you've got the ability to have more time on your hands being younger, yes. I've had this conversation with people on my team before with hiring. Is it better to go younger? Is it better to go older? Older usually have more baggage, but they usually have a little bit more understanding of how life works. Mm. Young, think rich, get rich quick scheme is real estate. And most of them that are coming into real estate, no disrespect, but they're all traders, like day traders. They're the serial entrepreneur guys that think that this is all amazing and fun and Mm. rainbows and butterflies every single day. And they get in, they're like, wow, I haven't closed a deal in two months. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Yeah. So. But I think as the problem is the way they find us is through social media. Well, of, course. of course. In social media, Perception you only see the best reality. 1% to 3% of someone's life. Um, let see what else is there. Okay, so that's all the questions. Guys, don't be afraid to ask any more questions. So right now with your existing business, how much are you spending a month in marketing? So we've actually just cut it back. Um, between the two companies, I'd have to get exact what they are. Um, but I know it's under 7500 bucks a month now between the two. Wow. So it's really low. Yes. Um, and then what is your total overhead? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, how much are you spending between everything? Per Lease? Month? Yeah. Yeah, that's under 7500 Oh, that's everything. That's, that's not just everything. marketing. Yeah, that's that's everything. Like, oh, wow. We're running a very lean model. Super profitable model. Yes, sir. We're at, like, last I checked, it was 75%. Okay. Is there any one tool or system, something that, like, is, is a key that you could not give up? Ooh. Okay. Um, MLS, Gmail, cell phone, DocuSign. Yeah. That's it. Pretty solid. That's all I got. And Gmail's free. Gmail is free. What is your biggest struggle right now? Um, My biggest struggle right now, uh, for me, I would say, honestly, it's hiring the right people. I'd say that at this point, I mean, aside from everybody's send me your deals, finding finding the next one, Mm -hmm. um, it's really just finding the right people. At the end of the day, like... Again, going through with my team, we were able to kind of realize that I was being way too hard on herself. I've mm-hmm. hired over 30 people, call it 30, like just 30 easy numbers. I had in the office when we were going through this, they all looked around. They're like, well, how many have been good? And I'm like, here we are. <laughs> and they're like, so three out of 30, they're like, that's 10%. And I was like, well, there's maybe a couple extra good ones. They're like, so you're above 10% on success rate for hiring. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good considering it's commission-based and you're self-employed. And I was right. like, okay, when you put it in perspective that way, thank you guys for making me feel better. Yeah. But at the same time, too, it's about finding the right people. And I think this is in most business and industries that finding the right people is the hardest part of it. But, you yeah. know, it's, um, it's interesting going, going back to Kyle's course. Like yep. I, was, I was listening to it last night. And um, 
He said that when you're buying a company, the most valuable asset people are the people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Especially if they uh, they know the system. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Ryan or Miguel has a follow up. Okay. If you can go back in the past and change one thing, what would be different? And you can, you're not allowed to say no one change anything. Oof. Change anything. Miguel's coming um, with the great questions today. It does. Yeah. Um, I would say, well, first and foremost, underwrite that uh, that assisted living deal. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, secondly, changing one thing, I would honestly say high school. I would change my attitude. I was some punk kid in high school. Mm-hmm. Thought I was the. I thought were, I was, you, were you the star athlete? No, I was the guy in the business marketing club, and mm-hmm. I just had this level of confidence and presented myself, but. I think I had the wrong approach quite a few times. So I think going back to change that would have been just... So being a little more humble. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible in high school. You know, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely agree with that. Um, Albert says you're the man. Um, Brian Bell wants to know what's a reasonable amount to compensate an acquisition manager. Uh, All of our guys start at 15%. They dispo it, they get 10%, and then everything is negotiable. Based on production, bring in more deals, you get paid more money. And Kevin Mendoza wants to know what is your why? Family, 100%. I, I, we just talked about it a little bit, but for me, it's wife and kids that don't exist yet. Yeah, I was going to say they don't exist yet. Yeah. I mean, it's like wife something you want to share with me? Wife and kids of the future, <laughs> you guys are you guys are it. But Got it. no, yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, and then what CRM do you guys use? We use Podio. So Podio on the investment side, Boomtown on the traditional. Got it. What would you consider to be your superpower? Ooh, my superpower. This is one I was uh, I was going back and forth on this one, but I would say my superpower is the ability to empathize. I think that as I grew up, and you have to grow up pretty quickly as you get into these conversations in real estate at a young age, mm-hmm. um, I was able to kind of put myself into a lot of people's shoes repeatedly. So when I'm talking to somebody, even you and I, you explain something that happened over the weekend. I could put myself in your, your shoes and understand how you were thinking, feeling, and why you made the decisions or what whatever outcome was, I can usually understand that. And mm-hmm. so for me, I think that especially on my team, everybody can come to me and I'm like, Hey, tell me anything that you want. And I'm all ears. Like, I, so I just think so that you'd be present as well. Absolutely. What's the greatest lesson you've learned? Greatest lesson I've learned. Um, I can't do everything on my own. Um, was there something that taught you that? It's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. but I would just say it's like, as as I gained momentum in real estate, my mindset was just like, I was pouring into personal development and just understanding where the future realistically could be on the route that I've been. And so for me, it was like, I would like to maybe, you know, if I decide to go to California tomorrow, I'd like to do that. Well, if you've got five escrows and you're running it all on your own and you've got to get keys to a client, uh, deadline for paperwork and managing escrow and all that fun stuff, you probably can't take your trip. I mean, you could work remote, sure, but it's not yeah. a fun trip to me. So I realized like if I wanted to go far, I mean, what's that saying? It's like, if you want to go, you want to go far, go together type thing. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, is there a book you've gifted more than any other? Um, I haven't gifted the same book twice. Um, I actually have another one of make your bed. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've given that one out to a couple people and then think and grow rich. I've given out to a couple people. Um, I just read a really good one. It was recommended actually at your event. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was Pineda that said it or if it was Sam, but it was Who Not How. Mm-hmm. That was a really good book. Yeah. I flew through that one twice. So Gotcha. And then Luis wants to know, do you plan on getting into commercial or multifamily? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've already done a handful of uh, multifamily and then commercial is my second language. So we actually just got under contract this week another piece of land that they're building a $1.5 million commercial space on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be listing their building they've got. That'll be $1.6 million probably in about a year. Um, we've got, I mean, a handful of commercial escrows. So. Gotcha. All right. So uh, think about what you want to leave the listeners with. I'm going to make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, so guys, we got our workshop literally in nine days. So if you guys are interested, send me a DM. Um, we're going to be doing it here in our office, right, where we got our classroom. And if you have value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. This helps us reach more people. And then next we've got Sean Rourke, who bought 16 rental properties in his first year wholesaling. So (laughs) crazy to think about. Um, And then I'm going to do a quick selfish plug for myself here. Unbelievable. Um, What would you say the working with me has done for you? 
I love that question. Um, I've told you this one a few times um, off the record, I know, but completely on the record. Since being at Steve's brokerage, my net worth has tripled. Uh, I know you have your group of 100 millionaires. Mm -hmm. I will be on that within about a year and a half. Yeah, Um, or sooner. Or sooner. And so I just, full transparency, I can't thank you enough for everything you did. I mean, you took the guy that was lost and confused that you saw something in that I knew I saw myself and really helped me bring that to life and just blossom in real estate. So well, I appreciate that. Of course. Thank you. Uh, so what do you want to leave? What message you want to leave the listeners with? Um, there is no right way to do life. Nobody has this whole thing figured out. It's just a matter of doing what you would like. I mean, every decision has a consequence, good or bad. But for me, the biggest thing is just knowing what it is that you want to do, whether it's college. Great. If it's being self-employed, great. If it's going in right to the trades or trade school, fantastic. Yeah. Most important thing for me is just making sure I'm happy. And that's what I care most about about the people that I'm with and around is that they're happy too. Yeah, that's awesome. So clarity on what you want. thousand percent. All right. If someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Instagram is going to be the best way. Just my first and last name, Ryan Zolan. And then I won't make the mistake of putting my number out there. It was simple enough. Just Ryan Zolan. Ryan Zolan. Oh, you know, you want to share your TikTok? Oh, yeah. It's at Wholesale Houses. So I will Wholesale Houses. Wholesale Houses. Simple enough. Yes, sir. I love it. That's me. All right, guys, thank you for watching. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Blast. Steve. Hmm.